Let us pray. May only God's word be spoken, and may only God's word be heard. Amen. In 1853, when my great-great-great-grandparents walked across a good bit of this country in order to move to Oregon, they were told they could not bring a lot of stuff with them, loads that needed to be light. And so they are told they could only bring the bare necessities that were needed to survive the trip and to start a new life in Oregon. Now the bare necessities is not everything needed, right, because a lot of stuff that they would need they were going to have to find along the way, like most of the food. Soon after setting off, they discovered that they had brought too much stuff. What was necessary was even less than what they thought. And so, like a lot of wagon trains, the people in the party started dumping things along the road. It is really hard sometimes to figure out what is necessary. And with some hindsight, we might even question some of their decisions. One of the things that my great-great-great-grandparents dumped was a bunch of shoes. And I'm not sure that was the right decision, since by the time they got to Eugene, they were barefoot. On the flip side, my great-great-great-grandmother kept something that proved necessary, but everyone else thought she was wrong to keep it. It was a kettle that she found along the side of the road. Not something she brought with her, something she found, some other group had dumped. And she loved it and she wanted to keep it and the other members of the party told her, no, you need to dump that. And they refused to let her put it in the wagon because that'd be too much weight. But she was persistent and so she decided to carry it across the country. And it turns out it was necessary. When they got um, to central Oregon, they were trying to cross the Cascades, they were following this new road that it turns out had never been completed, and they got lost. And they were lost for quite a while, and pretty much they were down to the only nutrition being the bone broth that she could make with that kettle. And her fellow travelers were really grateful that she had found it and kept it. Knowing what is and is not necessary is hard. It's downright impossible, really, but I discover time and again that the necessities are really much more bare than I tend to realize. When traveling, I am much more likely to find that I have too much stuff than to find I have something that I really need, that I don't have something that I really need. The truth is, the thing that I discover that I need is really usually more of something that I want. In our gospel today, Jesus sends the disciples out two by two to go do what he has been doing. He sends them on a trip to walk from town to town to uh, heal people and to share the good news. And he tells them that they can only take the bare necessities with them, a tunic, a staff, and a pair of sandals. No food, no bag, no change of clothes, and certainly no money. They would have to trust God to provide everything else that they needed along the way. Now, maybe we could quibble a little bit about whether or not this list of things Jesus says really is the bare necessities. Do they really need that staff? I don't know. Maybe they could have gone by with less. Or maybe they could have done better with a little bit more. Maybe an extra pair of shoes in case, you know, the journey ends up being longer than they expected. 
Maybe a coin or two would help, just in case, for emergencies. I don't know. The specifics, though, really aren't the point. The point is that Jesus is requiring them to trust in God. Or perhaps more accurately, Jesus is teaching them how to trust in God, to learn the hard way, perhaps, that the Lord will provide what they need. It is the same lesson that Abraham and Sarah learned when they left their home and their families to go on this uh, wild adventure for this audacious promise that God gave them. It's the same lesson that God's people learned in the wilderness after they escaped slavery. It's the same lesson that Ruth found when she followed Naomi. It's the same lesson that Samuel tried to tell the people before they called Saul to be their king. It is the same lesson that the prophets continually remind the people. And it is the same lesson that Jesus engaged when he went out into the desert to face the temptations and when he went to the cross. Trust in God. This story today was one of the great inspirations for St. Francis. He heard this call to only take the bare necessities very personally. This is how he modeled his religious order. They traveled and they preached. And they only took with them the bare necessities. They didn't take food. They didn't take money. And they asked for what they needed to survive along the way, knowing that God would provide, or perhaps it's too strong, maybe learning that God would provide. Is an, it is a radical act of trust to do this. And trusting God is a lesson that we are still learning today. We live in a society that has more stuff than ever. And a society that tries to tell us that everything we have is a necessity. And yet the reality is that we are not any more content than we used to be. What are the bare necessities for life, for your physical well-being, what do you need? And what about for your spiritual well-being? What do you need for spiritual nourishment? Cranmer, the great architect of Anglican liturgy who made the first prayer book, thought that the bare necessities for a spiritual life were a prayer book and a Bible. I often think about that when I look at all the books. I have hundreds of books, nearly a thousand books on faith in my office and in my home. Do I really need them all? Or do I just need a prayer book and a Bible? They do prove time again to be the most important. What are the bare necessities for you in your life, in your faith? The point isn't to try and prove that you are spiritually greater because you have less. The point is to try and move you of a place of ever greater trust in God. And when we have greater trust in God, then we can e more easily weather the storms that life throws our way. Because we know life is going to throw a lot of storms our way. This pandemic has been one storm, and others will follow. Maybe not a pandemic anytime soon, I hope, but storms happen. Likely more literal storms will be happening soon with the changing climate as things get hotter and drier. We're already seeing that. 
And we're going to have to learn to adapt. We're going to have to ask ourselves, in some situations, what are the bare necessities? And there are other storms in life, too. Those more personal ones of medical issues and relational problems. But when we trust in God, we're able to weather those storms better. Because we know that God is with us, as God has always been with us in whatever storms we face. And we know that God will provide. We should, of course, do whatever we can to stop these storms. We should do whatever we can to mitigate these storms. We should do whatever we can to prepare for these storms. But one of those important things we can do is to start practicing trust in God. In a few minutes, we are going to recite the words of the Nicene Creed. In the Creed, we say that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That word believe, though, doesn't just mean that we believe this God exists. This word believe is more like when you tell a kid, I believe in you before they hit the soccer field or the theater stage. The kid doesn't think, oh, thank goodness, Aunt Susie thinks I exist. No, they know that you are expressing your confidence in them, your trust in them and their abilities. The creed, when it says we believe, is that kind of trust. We trust in God the Father. We trust in Jesus Christ. We trust in the Holy Spirit. The Greek word here that gets translated as believe, um, at its root, literally means to give your heart to. Whenever I recite the creed in my head, I always translate each of those beliefs into a word about trust. We believe, we trust in God who made the world. We believe, we have confidence in God who came down to earth to be one of us as Jesus Christ and who died for us and who rose for us and who ascended for us. We believe, we give our heart over to the Holy Spirit continues to act in this world. In the creed, we are confessing our trust in God. And perhaps it is much a prayer as it is a confession, a plea, as it were, for more trust in God. The God who made the world, the God who came down to be here is one of us, the God who continues to act in this world is the Holy Spirit. Please, God, give me more trust in you, this God, this God who is gracious and merciful, this God who loves us more than we ask or imagine. We pray to trust this God. My friends in Christ, trust your God always. Amen.